and Pavs. My name is Tatiana. I'm T. I'm Marquia. And you are listening to the Empathetic Black Hottie Podcast. We're three licensed psychotherapists here to be another resource in your wellness toolkit. Where our motto is, when it comes to our couch, you, you can, can always sit with us. Welcome back, Empaths. We missed you. Come in the Phillies. <laughs> oh, well, we were in college because I, you know, I went to um, that branch campus. I went to Berg's, mm-hmm. and my friends were from um, one was from DMV, the other one was from the other two were from New York. They were like, "What goes on in Philly?" Because we could get ninety eight point nine in our little area. Oh, they heard all sorts. Yeah, they of was shit, like, I'm every sure. time I caught on the radio, he's talking about Onyx. What's Onyx? I'm like, girls, you don't even want to know. Just relax. That that is though such a specific thing about college um, is the cultural exchange that happens. Like I don't mm-hmm. know if it was like that on like every single campus, but definitely where I went for under like the first two years. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that first like semester of school was everyone just being like. Because everybody was either from Philly, D.C., Baltimore as well, and then New York. Mm -hmm. But everyone is just like, can you teach, like, what are you saying? I don't understand what you're saying. So then now you know a whole bunch of slang from all these different places. You know about Mm -hmm. what they eat. I remember that's when I got, personally, got put on to Chipotle from my D.C. people. Mm -hmm. Ooh. I feel like that wasn't the wave really in Philly at the time. Right, But all of them, that's all they used to talk about. Yeah. But it's just like, you know now what their foods are. They know what yours is. That's a good one. All right, what is something that other college culture culture person put you on to? Go, go, to. Hmm. Fuck a Valentine's Day. Uh, you anyway. Girl, I was thinking go go gadget. Uh, no, like <laughs> I was thinking literal what's that music from D from DC that go go your feet. Go yeah, go. yeah, that's uh, what I was thinking of. Oh, okay, I was that is go go. Look at me, the DC representative. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I don't even know if I'm doing sorry y'all, anybody from DC if they're like, she's wrong, but yeah, that's what I learned. <laughs> I'm trying to think too because yeah. but you know I was always at Maine so it was more of like the Pittsburgh influence which mm. I walked away with nothing no what's the dance Pittsburgh. that people in Pittsburgh do that, that like it um, was like the red it was like remember that it was like a wall time the thousand like yeah. oh yeah it was like the red nose on crack I don't know what y'all <laughs> called it but y'all it got was, that down pat. I was trying to explain it to somebody a few years ago and they had no clue and then of course you can't do the dance by yourself so when I was trying to show them they're like what are you doing I mean, you can't do it by yourself no. you can't do it by yourself it's like a, it's like a Jamaican red nose Pittsburgh two hybrid. step mm-hmm. oh that thing two step you was like no they two step yeah, it's like the oh. girl is like backing it up, but like doing a cute like dance like, around, and the guy's like dancing around her too. I think I've but seen like, that before. It's like that's, that's Pittsburgh. I'm gonna call yeah. it the Pittsburgh mating dance. <laughs> from New York like that's what I was thinking I tried cheese mm-hmm. yeah or they're just I feel like our lingo I don't know maybe I don't get it now because we're so immersed in it but they just use like we use John like 
I'd say like kind of like a rare lot. like no I say it like I feel like I don't yeah, know I don't say John really either yeah I feel like I'm, I'm too old for that like I should like I said but I just I say like I feel like that's the biggest word in Philly that like I would say but like maybe a few times a week but they say in everything like you violate you man wild yeah I'm like no they, you yeah. use every New York word in one sentence yeah but you know what word I feel like you're right I think John is over rated or whatever like so saturated yeah but yeah. what I do say at least every fucking day is dickhead yes I really say that. Wait, wait, I don't say that either that I was, say that we a might lot. have to edit this part out but there was this random part on my trip that I just went on and I'm you know when I'm having fun you can't tell how far into it I'm having fun everyone's like you was that I was like yes I was like lit but I come <laughs> off very together but we I, I walked out of the hotel and these like bus busters were playing rock paper scissors I was lit and I was just you know looking or whatever and somebody lost I was like ah dig it I was like, <laughs> I, was like oh my God. I revealed my true character <laughs> I say that very, very frequently. And you know what? The the people I were with, they were saying dickhead. I'm like, that's not how you say it. (laughs) That's not how you say it. I don't know. What is my Philly word that I say all the time? I don't know. I joke and say like like, lately I'm like, don't get federal. All right, well that's too federal, but Mm. no. What do I? I feel like I always say something as the bid, but I'm like, but also I'm (laughs) quoting. I'm like. It's funny because it's the bit, I guess. But, like, oh. I'm literally... You know what I, mine is? What? Fuck out of here. Yeah. I don't say any... No, I say fuck out of here. Okay, yeah, I'm like, yeah, you're drawn. I feel like I said you drawn. I yeah. say drawn a lot. I Can we just yours. admit that none of us really know how... There's no consensus in Philly culture on how to spell drawn. <laughs> That's drawn. true. How do you spell it? D-R-A-W-N. I say D R A W L H I N. Yeah, that's oh. how I spell it, John. Oh. I feel like you say the nigga. But like, like oh yeah, because that's like drawling. I don't say dr- with the L. But I, I don't like, say it with But the you don't L. say it with, with the L, L but yeah, I spell, spell it. it with the L. Yeah. Like Huntington oh. Park. But what is it really called? Oh, Huntington Park. <laughs> but who said it? it's Huntington Park? It's Huntington. Like actually, like phonetically, it's like oh. oh. And then I love correct outside, but I feel like every city does that. Like mm-hmm. on on yes, I see what it says. I'm telling you how to say it. If you don't want to say it that way, then get beat the fuck up. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not about how it's spelled. It's how it's said. Yeah. Thank you. Period. What y'all holding space for? I'm holding space. For... I always think I can know what Marquis is going to hold space for, and then I don't. Do you want to tell Ty? I'm going to be wrong because you said it was obvious, but I thought it was. Hmm. Oh, yes. Okay. Stranger Things? No. Oh, no. That's not what she was thinking. <laughs> what, were you, what did you say? Beyonce. Beyonce. Uh, Are you happy to be in Paris? My credit card <laughs> it was is right. on standby. When I was in college, Mama. I used to have, like, emergency fun for when Beyonce drops something. That's literally what I've been doing since Lemonade. Because since Lemonade? I've... Confession, because she keeps dropping things when I was a poor, broke college student. Let us know, Usher. I haven't been to a fucking Beyonce concert. Really? No, what the two times that I tried to get it, it was sold out. And my mom tried to surprise me, and she couldn't even get tickets. So Damn. my credit card is waiting, bitch. I will max my shit out. I'm getting tickets wherever. At one, at two, at three. I don't give a fuck what she's doing, but I'm there. I, I went to dinner. I went to the, um, I went to, which one did I go to? Not for me. What was the one? On the run. I went to On the Run twice. 
Ugh. Once with Brooklyn because she won a contest at her school. This oh. is when she was still in high school. Oh. And she took me. I love you. And then I went again to the same one when she came back. Oh, yeah. To yeah, Philly yeah. again. Oh. So I went to that I know one. you've been to a couple, T. I've been to four. I was going to say, T, that's why she had to go last because she actually has stories to tell. Mrs. Carter World Tour. Period. Mm-hmm. On the run. Um, lemonade twice. And oh, on the run too. Which one would you say is your favorite? Hey, Mrs. Carter. Really? Yes. Maybe because it was also my first, but the outfits, the... It was all about her. Mm -hmm. It was all about her. And I went to a Jay-Z concert. It was probably my favorite concert at State. Hmm. I'll tell you something more offline. (laughs) Jay was your favorite at State? Mm Mm-hmm. Because it it wasn't just the performance. It It was one of those concerts where it was like life was just... Um, it was like you know we, we had the worst tickets and we got to the front um, mm-hmm. oh just all the things lined up all the things lined up I'm on somebody's shoulders I almost this is what it was I almost fell because y'all know how I get uh-huh. and Jay, he looked over and was like <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a moment yeah so that's a moment. that makes so sense that was, and okay, he, he okay. did great but her concerts with Jay um, even though he wasn't on the Lemonade Tours um I just liked her solo. It was just, you mm-hmm. know she's a mastermind. You know mm-hmm. how many hours she puts in and you can see all of that come to fruition yeah. in Mrs. Carter. Yeah. Um, so, that's, yeah. That's why I think this, whatever she's about to unleash, I think it's going to be really, really great because you know mm-hmm. how much of a um, perfectionist she is and this yes. bitch has been sitting on this album for a year and a yeah. half. You already know what's about to happen because she's been, and also she's been doing interviewing interviews like precursoring mm-hmm. this for uh, over a year yeah. almost now too. So, mm-hmm. But you just just reminded me because I I do think that concerts aren't always just about the music but just like the overall experience because one of my favorite concerts at State was um, Kanye Yeezus concert but it was literally Mm. because he came late and everybody was mad at him but he was so apologetic he was Mm. like I'm so sorry y'all because I was so late everybody just scream out a song y'all want to me to want me to perform that's not on a track list and so everybody started screaming out like play this play this oh, and shit. he started playing in the concert like let's say it was supposed to end at 11 it was still going at like midnight or like whatever like he was like I know we're supposed to shut down but I don't care more songs more songs and he just like maybe it was like an episode I don't know but he went <laughs> he went but in but it was so many songs too that I love that he decided to play that he hasn't played in like 10 mm-hmm. years and he couldn't remember all the words Mm-hmm. He was like, I haven't performed this, y'all. Help me sing along. But I'm like, this is like an experience. Yeah. So I think those things are important. That sounds really well, fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so sorry that you was holding space for two I know. Yeah, so because you brought up Beyonce, so my mind sidetracked. Beyonce? Beyonce? <laughs> you did mention Stranger Things, though. Yes. Um, the, yeah. other, the last time we were all together that you were excited that was coming out. Oh, up. did I? Okay. okay. So, yes. So, Not do y'all here. watch it? No, is it scary? I the first that's season. my first thing. Everyone's so tired of recommending me stuff because that's the first thing in my mouth. Is it scary? I'm a scaredy cat. I'm a Disney kid. You know this. <laughs> However, it's not that bad. I'm also um, loyal. So this, mm. I feel like this part, because it's two parts. So I feel like this first part was scarier to me than the first part, but I I've had to stick it out that. because no. I saw the first three seasons. So I'm like, I have to see what's going on. I can't end it. Okay. So it was, but if you get to the last episode of the first part, it makes sense. It all comes together. Okay. So it is a little bit scarier, but I was sticking it out. But it's this like daytime season, scary. Though. Like I won't, yeah. I can go to sleep. You'll That's go to all sleep. I need. It wasn't Conjuring. Right. No. Right. No. Right. Okay. <laughs> Live a little. <laughs> Absolutely not. So so you could go in the bathroom while we watch it? Go in the bed. 
Oh. <laughs> that yeah, was shade, y'all. No, I monitor. I'm like, if you need a bathroom, buddy, it's fine. No, but I'm kidding. I can't. But I watched the first season, but I, like, fell off after that. So, like, really I feel good. like I need to get my life um, together. So, holding space, not for Stranger Things and how much I liked it, but... So, to get out... Have y'all heard of, like, kind of what it's about? Like, the upside-down world? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, like, extraterrestrial. Yeah. yeah. So, to get out of the upside-down world, or upside-down... Is a world? Whatever. Um, in order for this girl to get out of it, they had to play, like, her favorite song. And she was able to get out. <laughs> I'm sorry. So... I just... What? I'd be coming out. That's what, yeah, yeah, wait, wait, wait. So, Nigga what shit. would be your what would be your song to get out of the upside down world? Ooh, I mean, I, all my friends. Like, I mean, y'all probably know. I know the artist. You know the artist, but uh, what is song? Mariah. Mariah. Song. It's Mariah. It's Mariah. 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 Is this, like I tell people, honey. That is gonna be at my funeral and everything. So I'm damn sure walking out that Matrix too, and it's just. Like, honey. Yes. Okay. So that's my shit. I don't know. Time, it would depend good. on my. It would have to depend on like, how was my experience in Upside Down? Am I like absolutely not? You trying to get out of there for your life? You're like, okay. So then I need some uh, like riding a car shit because I'm I'm upset. So okay, it'll probably be some trap shit. Then I don't know. To <laughs> to, to mirror my experience, I'm usually a happy. I like R and B, but mm-hmm. I probably need some nigga shit. I don't know though. No. I can't think of a specific song. You don't get away from this. <laughs> I know. You are being I held captive. I hate picking just one song. I'm like so Yeah, that's this. how you know. I know. Like, she's such, if, you're, if you like to read, you can't pick one book. If you like music, you can't pick one song. It's also so. right now when I think, because um, I feel like trap music and stuff like that, it also cycles really quickly, unlike mm-hmm. R&B that stays for a long time. So like, it'll be Ooh. a song that's my song for like a month and then a new song becomes my song for an- another month too. So I'm like... But what about an artist? At least like an artist. Mm-hmm. If I had to pick an artist, it's trap shit. <laughs> God. <laughs> Even that, I'm so... Can you tell that I have a Gemini rising? What's happening? I can't think of it. It's past. Okay, my kid, what's yours? Um, so, mine's would be Beyonce, I care. Bitch, that's what you walking out to? Yeah. You know, I ain't judging you. That's a dis- I ain't what, She was having a bad time in but, the Upside Down. But it's the homecoming version. Not that shit on the album. I need the homecoming ain't version of I care. Mm-hmm. But yes. I, I'm only coming through when the guitar soloist comes on. Do, 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 do. Mm. breaks windows. <laughs> Beyonce. But, but it's just to get you out. So it's not like you... So he, what he does is he kind of like tortures you for like a good amount of time. What the... Yeah, I don't know. And then he like traps you a little bit. And you don't come out down. to that experience of honey. You but gotta, no, so it's, but it's just to get you out. So you're kind of in like a quote unquote dream. Mm-hmm. A little, it feels like you're in a dream. Oh, like Freddy Cougar. Yeah, so it's just to get you out of the dream. It's not necessarily like fight for your life type thing. It's okay. just like, it sparks something in your memory I to get you out. I still want honey, mm-hmm. but I mean the best DJ to mix it with <laughs> dreams and nightmares. Because I, okay. I have a lead up. I need the like, and this is what y'all been waiting for. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm here. I'm back, bitches. Yeah, so it's just in like a favorite song to trigger your memory to get out. Okay. I know y'all still want me to say one, but I can... <laughs> okay. T, what are you holding space for? I'm coming back to that shit. We're not getting back. By the end of this episode, she's going to give us one. <laughs> We're not getting away from that. I'm holding space. I'm so proud of myself. I'm still reading after work. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I finished another book. And it, it, my problem, my toxic trait is when I read shit, I'm the type that's, like, recommending it all the time. Like, I've not come across a book yet. And, again, I, that's because I'm still getting back into reading where I'm like, mm, I really love it. But I love this book. It was called... The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Damn, I just had the author's name in mind. I'll bring it up on the episode. Uh, I'll type it up in the description. But I love this. It's um, around, centered around this woman in Hollywood and like throughout the 50s through the millennium and mm-hmm. the way she married strategically, um, coming from the mud, fighting tooth and nail, marrying to high stuff marrying. Taylor Jenkins Reed my girl <laughs> got you girl and she has a few other great hits um like author wise mm-hmm. so yeah marrying for strategy for um to boost things to hide things I just love the way she takes the world by the neck and gets what she wants how she wants and I think the part of that is something a lot of a lot of people need to read and so mm. I definitely recommend Seven Husbands of Evelyn and Hugo and it's a great plot twist, y'all. So many plot oh. twists, so many ins and outs. Okay, um, so I need to get it back into reading. I love it. And I'm not somebody that's like, oh my God, it's a page turner. But these last few books, I've really lucked out. And I'm not, I'll show you on my plug. Natalia is definitely the plug <laughs> when it comes to books. She always recommends me the best books. Um, and then we span, we spun our wheel for our next book club read. So stay tuned, guys. But I like that. Adding to the list. So the first one was More Than Enough by Elaine Welteroth. Um, this was... Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins. Read. Mm-hmm. There we go. And I think that also shows like what type of reader I like, what type of books I've liked. I've also liked We're Gonna Need More Wine by Gabrielle Union. I have mm-hmm. her second book that I'm gonna read. Um, I like Diana's biography, Frida's biography, Michelle's. I need to get through. So I'm open to other things. But what I liked about this was this was fiction, and one of my clients who she's young, she's not gonna be listening, but I love how she said. I read it. That's where the recommendation came from. And I did that because she's been struggling so much in um, her life and her sessions, Mm -hmm. in her dedication to therapy and so many other things that I don't want her to get lost in the sauce and go to another therapist and have to build because we've been working together for a while and willing and dedicated to join with her that I was grasping out straws. This is somebody who hasn't done schoolwork. She's flunked out a lot. She's been hospitalized and her parents are getting frustrated, but I know like another therapist is going to give up easily and so I that wasn't my MO I don't care how long it takes to join unless we really get to that point where I know she's going to be more uh, her prognosis will be better with somebody else Mm -hmm. but I knew it wasn't personal Um, so one thing she did do was read 26 books over just the school year she read 26 Mm. books that's the only thing she was doing so I asked her for a recommendation and she blew it out the water and since I've been reading it she shows up every time on time I email her I'm like thank you for this bomb recommendation we talk about things Um, and one reason I was motivated to start a fiction besides joining with her was she said something so eloquently beautiful like she prefers fiction because it creates empathy in us and it's really important for us to as humans to be reminded of empathy. Seventeen. Seventeen. Um so now what I'm doing is you tapped in. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I love that. That's even though I was starting to pick up reading, I wanted to get into her world. And now the first Mm -hmm. thing we do is pick up like a book we have a book club list question. So we do our book club questions, we do session, and then we end on the book club question. Um and she's she's got she's gotten so much further and I tell her like I'm grateful for you she had said something she was like 
she doesn't know what she wants to do. So we had looked into like librarian science and I told hmm. her, you know, sometimes you just need a model. You don't know what things exist. I didn't know how dope librarians were until I went to college and there's such a path for them. They're not just these stuffy old women behind books. Mm-hmm. So I was showing her these things and she was like, I would love that. But I just would love to give people their life, their love and enthusiasm for reading back. And I said, that's what you gave me. And I want you to know like mm-hmm. that light is oh. important. You know, I'm here to share my light to spark yours again. But I want to let you know you did that for me and I'm going to be by your side making sure you get your light back too. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> so that sounds so beautiful. A true alliance was made. <laughs> that's a good that. therapeutic alliance. A yes. great and from my client to you guys, get back into reading. <laughs> yes, I love that. What you holding space for? I want to add on a little bit of a um a sidebar because sure. it just made me think of just the joy. My I think was on my one of my last um sessions of today um of like the week. Um, one of my clients um. This is the perks of having a black therapist and, you know, a, the black on black alliance, too, mm-hmm. that was happening. My client was having a, a hair emergency. She came in and this is a person she don't play about that, but it was half done, half not. And she was like, I'm I'm not well. My braider just called oh. me and canceled and I'm spiraling. And we brainstormed together, found her a new braider. OK. Aww. She made the appointment in the session. Okay. I, was like, I got you. problems, so I'm going to coaching. Now, if that is how you meet somebody where they're at. <laughs> Let me meet you where you're at, sis. Pull it up. Style <laughs> seat. Let's get it popping. I was like, let's go. But so, and also it was a place that I've like went to before. She was like, tell me, okay, what should I do? And I'm like, well, we, 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 we will get through this. Right. But, I'm just like, when else in therapy would that ever happen? Like, I'm going to help make right. hair appointment. Black therapists are needed because it's just culturally important. But also, can I highlight to baby therapists out there and people who are apprehensive about therapy but thinking about it, the example Tatiana shared was so important about therapeutic alliance or joining because that client would have not gotten anywhere in that session without solving mm-hmm. that problem. They would have mm-hmm. been fixated. They would have been like, after the session, I got fi- to do this. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't have been able to get to the emotions or the whatever needed to be held that day because sometimes you got to hurdle over the obvious or mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. that's in the way and that was in the way for her. So tackling that in the first 10 minutes makes the next 40 minutes like literally yeah open yeah and we did get to the actual stuff that we were there for after but I'm just like yep. what other in what other situation would you have been walking right. through that so right shout and out that's to so beautiful black, yep shout black out people black people black <laughs> therapists cause sometimes um and you know what I say the same like I don't think you have to have the dynamic of having the same culture therapist as you mm-hmm. are my therapist personally is white and I love her but sometimes like moments like that matter more to people so I actually I like this is a a, once again an aside but I say that to people because I do know there's a narrative especially right now of like you know finding a black therapist to work with you especially amongst like the black community and I do think it's important especially if the things you're going to therapy for are related to Mm. your racial identity is related to you know um even if you're someone that's like I want someone that's a part of different whatever community you're involved in I think it's important if that's definitely what you're going to be bringing up in therapy a lot but I think 
that's not always the case and I know so many black people mm-hmm. that be like my my therapist is a full blown white man and I love him mm-hmm. to death you know what I'm saying like I mm-hmm. you know I know a lot of people that it's about a soul to soul connection yeah. at times too yes. and I think that you can have that connection with mm-hmm. someone that is a completely different race and I, w- I would just say like I wouldn't hold yourself back completely because you could find someone that is completely you're like that is they understand me like on the inside yes like that post I sent y'all where we're saying like the um like that thread of people that were saying like the things that they felt comfortable enough they could do in session with a black therapist as opposed to like a white therapist or someone just wasn't of the same culture Mm -hmm. so I definitely think but I mean same thing like you said T I had a white therapist um when I was going through a really bad breakup like in college and she was amazing bomb right I loved her and sometimes I feel like I hear people say they actually don't want to be judged by their own culture, so they prefer an outside culture's opinion to do some mm, yeah. of the work with them. That's, um, a, that's a big Or a too. different gender. I know people who... Yeah. Um, women who prefer male therapists because they feel intimidated by another woman knowing all of their bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of guys who want a woman therapist. Um, mm-hmm. In particular, when I do recommend out or when I'm closing with a client, but I say, let me know if you want another referral and if you prefer, like, a guy or a girl, woman or man. Uh, men will tell me, like, I don't want to be... Mm-hmm. I don't want to work with a man. And for whatever reason, we, we handle that case by case. Um, that's just valid. It's valid, so... Yeah. Context point. matters. What are you holding space for, mommy? So, what I'm holding space for, very random, but I went down a rabbit hole of looking at, um, I watched a Mike Tyson documentary recently mm-hmm. and then you and your documentaries and you you hold them to the chest because you know i love documentaries this one once again was I'm on not, youtube I'm not, I'm, sending you it. Say that. I'm not sending you mount everest until i get the coco <laughs> chanel documentary what the hell i went on my desk by they're all day. but also they're all not like because i guess i don't feel like because it's just random videos i find on youtube that be like an hour long and i just be invested or i'll watch them like while i'm like blow drying my hair or mm-hmm. something like random but they're not like production they're just random scholars on youtube that want to like share information about people and i'm mm-hmm. it up um but i was watching this documentary from like a, a youtuber that i watch all the time um and he did kind of like the evolution of mike tyson and from there i was completely invested um just because like I was just watching, I was just listening to something like, I was, or I think it was a conversation I was having with a client because they were just saying like how they don't think that people um, can change, like certain people's actions, like people don't change. And I was just like, I can't be in this profession if I feel like people truly can't change. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and from there, it just made me, I feel like Mike Tyson is like a perfect example of like people can change just because of the type of person that he was. Chow. Mm-hmm. And the person that he oh, is now. Yes. And how he treated women. How how he just how he was how he just was moving in life, period. Like he was wild. But also the crazy thing is is like and I had to look up Mike Tyson's chart because even when he was like on a thousand, I connected to him like this deep <laughs> level where I'm like, cause I think we all can see like when someone says something, even when they're in pain, like something about it's like damn I be feeling like that too like mm-hmm. Mike's whole thing like I was just um, listening to like a, a a side show you know how like boxers like before they be introduced like they'll have like a back and forth with like yeah. the press and stuff and one of his things he was talking about how he was about to have a fight with this one person he was like I want you to know my goal is like I want I feel a lot of pain 
I want him to right feel there. physical pain. Right there. Mm-hmm. He was like, you're going to feel how I feel. Like, he was like, he can't beat me because he, no one is more angry than me right now. Like, mm-hmm. you can't win. And once again, I'm like... Relatable. Relatable. I understand that. But then I'm also like, let me look up this nigga's chart. And it's cancer placements galore. Uh. And... <laughs> and his cancer placements a lure and also a lot of fire I think he has like a uh, his mercury is in Leo but it was like once again fire and water wait and Sandra, do you know what Black China is? she's a Taurus oh okay I don't know why every time I think of cancer placements I think of her throwing that stroller but I think that's uh-huh. <laughs> But I think I'm getting confused with Ari. <laughs> she is. She's a cancer. <laughs> Violence. <laughs> but, no, but it is like this real, but I felt that in the fact of also seeing his evolution now and how he's turned that like, that like rage that he's had inside. Cause like the rage was also like internally, like he would treat himself really badly too and then mm-hmm. treat other people. But then also now how he's like used kind of like this like eloquent rage to almost like, himself into shape and then also have these conversations with like so I don't know if y'all heard about like his recent interview it was like a year ago that he did with like Boosie Mm-mm. and he was like addressing his homophobia but like in like a tough guy way it was like I it feel was like you told us some it. of the most beautiful shit I've ever seen like I feel like and I was also talking about this in a session because I do feel like sometimes a lot of men can't hear about like their homophobia or their sexism from other like from women mm-hmm. or you know from the LGBT community they need to hear from like somebody there they look up to mm-hmm. oh absolutely and and like in a in especially when we're talking about internalized masculinity like you need to hear from like who else is more of a higher status mm-hmm. you know like physically than fucking Mike Tyson and then hearing Mike Tyson tell you to like shut the fuck up and you're being a, a weird ass nigga like yeah I'm like oh my god like I think I'm exploding and like they were listening to him and yeah. he was challenging them he's like why are you talking like that like you're doing too much like is there something in you like why? Do, what do you feel like you need oh, to wow. prove oh wow oh yes but I, I will say it is different especially in particular for the black man because I yeah. always say this Homo um, or being gay is much more of a threat to like how they're um, conditioned to be, right? Like yeah. women and gay people who are our whatever, they can be, they can be fluid, but to a black man's identity, it, it and a man in general, but a black man, it strips them of all these things that it, it's toxic masculinity but it they think it strips them of all these things yeah. mm-hmm. um, and in some ways it does because they treat gay people wrong so they feel like yeah. they're going to be treated wrong and then they have to exert extreme homophobia to let people know I'm not that yeah it's a, it's a, a fucked up skew type thing so when you see somebody model true confidence true self love and true like love in general um I think they see permission because I know I've had permission all my life to be a black That's woman what who it is, could be what she wants. That's mm. what it is. It's permission, and I think someone like Mike, because it's like literally one of the scariest. No one ever. I don't care how tough you think you are. No man wants to fight Mike Tyson. No. Period. Right. And no one thinks they're tougher than him. No one thinks they're more intimidating than him. And I think seeing someone that is so quote unquote tough, that's so strong, mm. be like yo bro like what are you doing it gives them permission to be like wait oh wait Mike's not on that right I don't oh, have to be on maybe that. I don't and I just thought it was like powerful just seeing that cause I'm just like 
this is what you need. And you need more models. And that's a turn but on, he, too. And he, Can I say that? It's a cut. personal turn on. Oh, my gosh. It's such a turn on. When, <laughs> when guys are so confident yeah. that not only can they be... I don't want you to be accepting. I want you to be embracing. And mm-hmm. I have the guys who are embracing and who have been like, you're weird as fuck if you're going to treat a gay person different. Yeah. And I like it even better when they... Do- I mean, it's great when they have gay family members because I think they... I, that means something, right? But it's even better when you don't and you're still able to say you're on some weird shit with that homophobic yeah. stuff. And it's a huge turn off. Too much. Fellas, it's a huge turn off when you are homophobic. Like, mm-hmm. that's... And I... That's the thing. You know what? Because we can understand. Culturally, we understand why you're homophobic and it's still not okay. But, yeah. cult- like, culturally, you can't understand be gay people and let alone you're going to treat them differently or discriminate. Hell no. Such a turn mm-hmm. off. I will go... I don't really debate about a lot but I will go toe-to-toe you with that. Hmm. I'll go to toe-to-toe about a lot, but definitely, then that's my, I think we talked about this before of like, it's just certain things that you're just not going to say around me, period. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. Definitely. And right now, I don't know when this episode is going to come out, but it's Pride Month That's right what now, I was going to say. And I, I think it will. No, watch your think fucking you mouth. Are. Watch your fucking mouth. Watch your fucking mouth. Dickhead. I don't, I don't like that. Weird ass bitch. <laughs> you being weird as shit, bitch. We don't, we don't fucking, we don't practice homophobia around here, weirdo. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But I just like the fact of like, it's just interesting when, because I think about, I don't know, it's, I feel like it's the fire and water in me that like sees like the using those passions and using that rage towards fucking good. I'm just like, ugh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I live. And I just love seeing a, once again, talking about that evolution, seeing someone change that people probably, um, I don't know, just placed on the side. Like they're always going to be an awful person. They're always going to be this. And like they're, they're just, I don't know, being excellent right now. And I'm just like, I live for it. So mm-hmm. I've just been yeah. like, you know, Shout out yeah, to Mike. Mike. There's a way to have a chip <laughs> on your shoulder and use it for evil and use it for good. And that's something I'm recently learning. But mm. he's using his chip for good. And that's us holding space. You know, we were thinking about just obviously we're all creatures of social media and understanding mm-hmm. but in our cultures we've noticed how just the culture at large has also affected our sense of self and our sense of self-worth when it comes to our bodies yeah. um, and with that being said we really wanted to talk about BBL culture um, mm-hmm. and then also how body dysmorphia and how it shows up in the therapy realm Absolutely. And I think it was important for me to kind of get onto this topic as summer approaches um, because I see this on my couch. And unfortunately, one of the biggest symptoms of anxiety is avoidance. Mm -hmm. And so when I see clients avoid this topic or avoid sessions because they know we're going to be, you know, digging into it, it's a problem. It's such a problem of it's a progress problem. Yeah. I find a lot on my couch that it's talked about after everything else. Like, yep. yeah. we'll settle the anxiety for a little bit, the depression will be gone for a bit, and then all of a sudden, body dysmorphia or eating disorders or things mm-hmm. like that are coming up that they're like, oh, I eat once a day. I only had a granola bar for the past two yep. weeks. And I'm like, where was this in between all of that? Okay, you just brought up such a good point because we... We're, we're here because same facility but <laughs> one of our intake questions though but it's one that's not required and I in my head have started making it a required thing because mm-hmm. you know you have some that are highlighted but for your intake usually it's like okay what are your symptoms if you have past diagnosis whatever but at the bottom 
there's about mm. your eating habits and your and if there's any concerns in your eating habits mm-hmm. and because it's not highlighted typically most people won't ask about it but I, I've noticed and which is why now I make it required is that anytime you ask you get answers mm-hmm. yep. and then you're like Oh, like, tell me about, you know, your different, um, if there's any concerns in your own eating patterns, and they're like, yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. And then when you start to see how sometimes they mirror from your depressive symptoms, or when you think about how they, I think it's just so important, and so for me now, it's required. I'm like, we have to talk about it, because it it may give us some intel about how it also just, your other symptoms show up, so. Absolutely, and that's so important. I love that you make it a requirement. I think, in my experience, and I've said this before, ED, which is eating disorders, is kind of our abbreviation for it, is one of the most sensitive and intricate and deadliest diagnoses yeah. and to work with. And there yeah. are two diagnoses that I um, am going to forge in this lifetime to really do better work with mm-hmm. because they're struggle, and that's ED and probably DV. Like, DV, domestic violence, isn't mm-hmm. a diagnosis, but like those type of clients, it requires such a level of patience and empathy because your mind gets screwed. Eating disorders will take over your brain and your perception starts to be off. We know that depression warps um, perception. Mm -hmm. And that is why the final symptom of depression is suicide. However, the same thing is going on with body dysmorphia and eating disorders. What they see in the mirror is not what they see in the mind. And it's very dangerous because they're achieving, they're going for this thing that they want to achieve in one a deadly way a fatal way that's not to be bullshitted with it's a fatal way and they are slowly dying Mm -hmm. and it's very insidious it's an insidious diagnosis and I find people with eating disorders are I don't want to generalize but those suffering can be some of the most resistant in getting help and it's different than alcohol in and substance because we can and will live without those but we cannot live without food yeah so I was about to say it's the most insidious because and I think we naturally like joke about these things like oh my god I had to figure out three meals a day for the rest of my life but think about that of how often you're struggle with a certain thing has to come up when it comes to the way what we're consuming because we have to do it that's the only, one of the only things we have to consistently show up for daily yes. you know what I'm saying so yeah. it's something that you're constantly going to have um, to grapple with and get an understanding of like how you relate to that absolutely. thing absolutely and the thing is you're people struggling with food body image they're consuming food in their mind rapidly and constantly and not within their body so they're waking up worried about food they're elongating their tolerance to starve Mm -hmm. by the time they're getting hungry it can be they were in a danger zone either they Mm -hmm. learn to suppress appetite over time or they've also have such a messed up relationship that they're maybe a binge client or Mm -hmm. a person that binges and purges and it slowly kills you and there's many reasons why like from your hair follicles to your teeth enamel to your heart capacity and it's something that nobody in like I think eating disorder culture um, is willing to accept until they're absolutely willing to accept it it's like addiction it's like addiction and then I think the most insidious part about how the outside world or people who don't suffer with food struggles is the compliments the secondary gains we get when our body is shrinking when our body is getting good like uh, I guess 
I guess the accepted type of beauty mm-hmm. our butts are getting fat our, our waists are getting small or for men um, who are absolutely part of eating disorder culture mm-hmm. absolutely when their chest is slimming when leg day looks like it's paying off mm-hmm. um, and then so our brain hears the good our brain hears in those compliments oh it's working mm-hmm. what I'm doing I'm getting positive praise for this um, but nobody knows that you missed several meals this week and right. that you you ate air for bed even though you know you're not listening to hunger when it's calling and things like that and also how hard it is for you to sit when you do have to eat something because again mm-hmm. like this is long term long term starvation it's not um it's not just for a vacation even mm-hmm. though we'll talk about that too um now Todd and I have taken some review Courses, um, and I partnered with them on a lot of collateral cases, and um, so you guys will hear some of the things that like we get to learn and we implement and employ in, in our work with it. However, um, there's a it's something that requires a team, yeah. um, a therapist, somebody that's familiarized with this, a dietitian. There's so much, and I, I I feel I feel my heart goes to people that struggle with this extremely because they're being forced to live in a style that feels incredibly uncomfortable to them. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. though it's healthy. Even So, I don't know. And just to clarify what Renfuel is, because I know sometimes we just... That's why the therapeutic terms. <laughs> Renfuel is one of the... I think it's the largest and most... The like, in the entire country... Um, company that works specifically in inpatient outpatient intensive outpatient um, for eating disorders in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I think typically when you just hear the word review as a clinician, you know, like, okay, it's related to ED, it's related to, you know, anything that relates to the body, like body dysmorphia, things of that mm-hmm. nature. And um, it's, it's running in that. Um, but I guess getting started with the topic to go over this, because we're talking about body dysmorphia, we're talking about how it relates into plastic surgery. So can talk about what body dysmorphia is. Oh, sure. Okay, you got it? Yeah, what are you about to... I wanted to get the actual definition. Oh. Well, my DM, my DSM? Yes, I was going to bring mine. I completely forgot. We love our DSM. DSM is just a diagnostic manual. Um, we talked about this before. So, in essence, as keep bringing up the formal... You got it? Um, yes. Yes. So, the actual definition for um, body dysmorphia well, it's called body dysmorphic disorder which is BDD um, mm-hmm. but we just say body dysmorphia so it's a mental illness involving obsessive focus on a perceived flaw in appearance um, the flaw could be minor or imagined but the person may spend hours and days trying to fix it um, and they may also the person may also try many cosmetic procedures or exercise to an excessive um, capacity right and what was your follow-up to that? Um, and then just talking about when if we're talking about BBL culture. And I want to say we're saying BBL and we'll talk about the cultural context because I think BBL is a very specific surgery, obviously. Mm-hmm. But we're also talking about the plastic surgery in industry at large. Yeah, as um, a whole. We black. So we want to give that <laughs> cultural context, damn it. Right, right. That's t- definitely why we tapped into that one. Um, were you asking me about BBL culture? Yes. Oh, um, my gosh. Hold on, let me gather myself. Well, first, like, go to your explore page. You will get inundated. So, first of all, BBL culture, Brazilian butt lift, by the way. Some Mm -hmm. people don't know what that is. Um, But it has increased by 90% between 2015 and 2019. Mm. Um, And 
we can talk about reasons why we theorize it's popularized, but mm-hmm. also globally, like it's risen 77%. That one was just the US numbers. Um, and then there's death rates here. This is one of the most dangerous surgeries. Um, oh, and wow. there's a bunch of information out there. Out there, why I even like how Dr. Miami and those doctors on um, the reality TV shows will talk about this is a dangerous surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of it is you'll hear is because they're taking if a blood vessel gets up there, like it, it's just such a risk for your entire life. It's mm-hmm. just so it's ironic because I know people with BBLs. I see people with BBLs. You guys see people. We see it on our screens all the time. They look great. And it's one of the most deadliest surgeries in the world. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because I feel like, and maybe this is talking about the number jump that has happened. I used to associate seeing kind of like those BBL figures with celebrities, Mm-hmm. Right, like I'm like, okay, Nicki Minaj, okay, like right. you know, insert person. <clears throat> but it became different when you would just see like your hairdresser, <sighs> girl, right, or you just be walking and you see your bartender, and and then you start to be like, oh wait, this is becoming just like a thing, yeah, yeah. Or even how how frequent? I think for me, it's more frequent that I see on social media, like the before and the afters, and you know, just seeing. I think for me, it's just elevated a lot on social media more so than in person for me no but yeah and you bring up a good point because I feel like back in my day <laughs> for celebrities they would get their surgery they would never tell yep. you it was so they would never confirm mm-hmm. you would think like oh her nose look a little different She, they would never tell Secretive. you that at all where yeah. now it's like Halle Berry we know Halle <laughs> Halle Berry we know <laughs> not to call no Halle don't you do Halle fucking no oh my god <laughs> no but yeah she does look magnificent but like her nose is different and I think but and shout out to her because she's a beautiful person with or without but I'm saying I think that's it was such a secretive mm-hmm. thing in in times of the past where now everyone is so forward facing like literally even in your personal life you look on somebody's feet um on their story and they like girl this got my consultation show yes, okay yes, on mom. the way to the DR honey vlogging okay. and that's not right, dangerous like going through the whole vlogging, vlogging it. and now we got skinny BBLs but yes the most deadly cosmetic surgery is gluteal fat grafting mm. aka Brazilian butt lift and that mm. is a 1 to 3000 ratio of death rate which it may not that's seem crazy. big but it is very big like 3000 and there's a 90% jump there's thousands of women getting this and Mm -hmm. it is mostly women but it's not like men can't or won't and they do Um, but aside from death there's so many other talk about Santana (laughs) there's so many other factors that come along with it I mean necrosis where you're the blood doesn't get to the um, mm. fat back there, so it dies off. Yeah. Mm. So and then blood vessels being That's able when to you have the discolor back where it's like purple right. or whatever because like chill. Right. And then blood vessels going up to your heart and causing embolisms, things like that, um, just makes it incredibly dangerous. But why is it so popularized? Like, what? Why would people put themselves mm. under this? Why do you guys think? I think. Well, I can already just thought of like three different reasons, but I think when we're talking about um, specifically the cultural context of like black womanhood, Mm -hmm. how there's a certain type of physique, I think, so already culturally, like if we even go back to the 80s, 90s, it's like the emphasis for black women on like your butt 
and having mm-hmm. a, a nice one and like a nice big old one is always mm-hmm. something that you've been that has been put in the back of our heads right sir makes a lot curse and before but yeah and before <laughs> all of this happened it's like either you got it or you don't mm-hmm. back in the day it's right. like either you had a booty or you know you just had to have a great personality and figure it out <laughs> or a pretty face <laughs> yeah I think that's a big difference and maybe you're gonna touch on that mm-hmm. the Nia Longs were still getting back yeah right whereas yeah. like now if you're not a Black China, but also them. Because even if we think about what was defined as a big booty back then, yeah, when they would, like if you look in a certain mix, a lot was like, I like big bust. They look was compared to no, girls, no, no, exactly. booty. Yeah, listen, I, you talking about back in my day. Flavor of Love contestants look so different than Jocelyn Cabaret contestants. Right, yes. Everybody now is like stacked. It's almost literally like a caricature of like a person from any other generation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, I think of like, if I asked my mom like, what's a big butt? Like, she would be like, like mine. (laughs) Like, but it's like, yeah, when we think about big butts now, but sidebar like video vixens of like the 2000s my first huge butt was Buffy the Body that I've ever mm-hmm. seen where I was like god damn I think I agree <laughs> <laughs> it's like now it's yeah. over for all of us Wait, I think you're right yeah. I think that's so my too. first huge ass I've seen where I'm, I'm like iconic. shit right I kind but and Buffy's was natural yeah. period mm-hmm. shout out to you sis and delicious I was gonna say delicious I was gonna yes. say delicious I was up there for that was my too. other first big booty where I was like mm-hmm. god shit, <laughs> shit. <laughs> but she was an exception these people exactly. were exceptions and you know what's and, crazy she was gorgeous on Flavor of Love back in the day and I still didn't think I still thought all yep. the other women were competition too. Yep. I still thought, oh my god, but she's beautiful as well. I wasn't mm-hmm. thinking like, oh well, she got the fat ass. Whereas today, I'm like, ladies, it's the fat ass that wins. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it wasn't this controversy or this thing of like, I have to look like that. Like, I need my body to look like that. I have to get the surgery. I have to figure out what I can do to get an ass like that. Everybody was just like, this is my body. Mm-hmm. I don't got an ass like delicious, but mm-hmm. I'm gonna make what I got work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now everyone has an ass like delicious and. But honestly, if I'm also being honest, like I think that was also the beauty of the time periods is where you yep. can get of a it, it was a body variety mm-hmm. that was happening. It's like because mm-hmm. but I guess it's all this also just this discussion of like because everything is so focused on the male gaze where it is this idea of like, oh well this is what men want, but it's also like what you gonna you tell them what they gonna get. <laughs> You're gonna get, I love that tweet or one that saying. You're gonna get what's in stock, buddy boy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't like it. You're gonna get what you get what you get and don't get them get you know, maybe some bees. <laughs> and you're just gonna be okay with that. Yeah, but no really. And so can I ask, like, have do you think you see this brush influence not only people on your couch, but people in your life and ourselves? Mm. Couch, no. Like plastic surgery in general, or just yeah. like body issues in general. Oh wait, what we? Oh, I'll say for me, the influx surgery of in BBLs. Um, the influx of BBLs, and then yeah, sure. Let's we want to expand to cosmetics, and we're talking about dysmorphia and BBLs and cosmetic surgery. But please understand all angles from it because we're going to get there too. Because mm-hmm. they do not just because you have body dysmorphia does not mean you're going to automatically get cosmetic surgery, right? right. Um, and people who get cosmetic surgery don't necessarily have uh, body dysmorphia, body dysmorphia right, right. or mental health issues at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
we're here to help you find the intersection when it does happen um, and recognize what tendencies to go through when analyzing how this culture affects you and your body images um, and things and decisions you're going to make in the future because I personally think the girls know this I don't um I don't think it's fair I don't think the psychiatric evaluation of competence is is thorough enough for people who get body or cosmetic surgery done and have actual mental health issues I'm not saying if you have anxiety you shouldn't get a nose job whatever I get it mm-hmm. but I'm saying I don't think they're thoroughly supported through some of the things that they struggle through before getting the surgery absolutely yeah, yeah. By the healthcare system. That's on us. That's something that we need to do better as a healthcare system. Yeah. Not saying people should be denied what they want, but... You gotta explore it a little bit If they bit had more. better resources and they were open to other things and support it more, um, let's get them what they want, how they want it, and for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And even I think about outside of even like black culture as a whole, because there are certain other surgeries that are like I think about um, yeah for Middle Eastern women, how is that automatic? Like oh yeah, I turned eighteen. I'm getting a nose job. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. Like I'm getting rid of the hump in my nose. I'm. I don't. I don't want it. And it's also like a rite of passage. Like, oh, my daughter's about to start dating. Let's pay for this plastic mm-hmm. surgery. When I think, of course, I can speak to the pressures that we feel as a black woman specifically, but women at large, there's always going to be a, a beauty standard that we all have to chase. And typically, it's never mm-hmm. just innately who the fuck we are. And I don't fuck with that. Yeah, I'm going to tell my good giant chase and shit. Yeah. Listen, listen like I said, you're going to get this nose. And also, I'll speak for my personal thing too is like I have my dad's nose you know oh you do welcome to the family (laughs) but that to me and I guess this is my cancer moon coming out like that means something to me Mm -hmm. and that's important like I'm never changing or like my bushy brows I get that from my grandpa Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying or like Tatiana got the best brows shut the fuck (laughs) up but but I'm saying and I, I but as a kid I used to I grew up in the Girl, early 2000s. I have seen your The pencils, pictures. eyebrows were the thing then. And I used to hate my brows. Mm. And my mom would say to me, she's like, you have beautiful brows. You got them mm-hmm. from your grandpa. And, mm-hmm. but I think about those things. And that's where, like, when I think of just, like, getting your nose done, where, like, especially when I'm talking about the cultural aspect of, like, oh, that's, like, but that, that's what made you special. Yeah. That's beautiful. Can I just say thank you for being patient with yourself until you, you until you were able to catch up to love those features. Because mm-hmm. yes. it's not easy. I too struggle with my nose. I vacillate between, but I'm not changing it. Um, I vacillate between Miss Piggy or... No. <laughs> I hate uh, when you call yourself that. I was not the one who started it. So, it's, it's not that them. I feel that I look that way. It's just that I understand some people may perceive it that mm-hmm. way. Um, and it's... It's odd to be perceived as negative when you do feel pretty, because I do feel pretty, but at the same time, I know this is not the um, stereotypical pretty and cute nose, Mm -hmm. and I'm mixed, and my sisters are mixed, and my sisters do, we vary in features, like um, white, black, and obviously mixed, and some of them have like a very Eurocentric cute nose. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but even that, the fact that that's the cute nose, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. I just, and I think also that's like a, a little bit of a side, but I've noticed so much more too, because if we're talking about just like plastic surgery in general and like um, natural body enhancements, I notice so much more that a lot of women are getting things like fillers in their mm-hmm. jaw to make you more distinguished or in their your nose bone. to make you more defined. Yep. Um, right, like you're saying in your cheek but mm-hmm. also I think some of those things take away the 
Afrocentric features of your face of like, yeah. oh, let me make it more angular, like. Right, right. And I feel like my kids one day will have my features, and ha- I'm not saying this for everybody, but for me, some things I want to keep to be a model for them to one because I, I do love myself and my features and my looks, and I want them to know that too. I, um, mm-hmm. I'm okay if they decide that they want to change it, but I don't want them to decide it based off of because mom changed it too. So there must be something wrong with wrong. it. Wrong, yeah. And you touched on the patience piece too, and I think that's where all of these things are coming in place. You're just not having the patience with your body. Yes. Like you're not growing in what you're supposed to be. You're hurry up and trying to fix things. And it didn't give your body a chance to really like grow and mature into what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to fix it before you it could have filled out or things could have looked the way that you wanted it to. Some yeah. doctors won't touch you. Some doctors yeah. won't, but it's As far, it shouldn't. it's becoming far and few between now. Yeah. Yeah, back in the day. Well, I keep saying back in <laughs> back in my day. <laughs> but there day. were some things like because I, I think that that's why it was such a big deal before, like when Kylie got all of those things mm-hmm. done because that's of how young enough. she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because at the time that really wasn't something that was and even that wasn't even that long ago but Mm -mm. you know when you think about culturally how your body does still have a lot more developing even when I think about you know my body at 18 versus now it's like there's been so many differences Mm -hmm. um and just even like how you're shaped and I think you don't allow nature to kind of run its course and make things happen before we try to manipulate it and I think yeah it's it's control yeah yeah well bringing back T's question have y'all seen it on your couch I I haven't seen I have seen um ED eating disorders in um body dysmorphia but I haven't really seen a lot of them wanting to engage in like these plastic surgeries or the BBLs have y'all seen that yes mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. I haven't seen that that much I think one thing I have on my side that Tatiana may not is time with my teenagers mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that honestly makes me more urgent in doing good care here's the thing I am not preaching to them I am not holding my own opinion in, in these sessions but I am opening up um, and giving them time at 14, 15, 16, 17 to unpack what their core issues may be and see like how to work from the inside out and make the best decision for them when the time is right luckily none of these parents some of my parents probably will be supporting it um but none of the parents are like pushing them into the surgery rooms but that's what i'm up against like time um Mm -hmm. and i absolutely see it Mm. but ironically enough it is something that I think the three of us would feel the opposite about or had the opposite experience with and that is I see a lot of thinner clients just struggling to get thick Mm. and I've had to it's it's a beautiful contrast because now I can I've always been able to empathize but now I can empathize from an experiential level with them on this is really hard for you Mm -hmm. Um, and I've not been the skinny girl who's been trying to get thick it's been the opposite but I understand some foundation in that and I can see it I can see it and help you through it mm-hmm, um, yeah. so yeah I see that and I feel really bad for them because especially in black culture and um, I would say black culture maybe Latinas too but it's the comments it's the family comments yeah man. oh god yeah see I feel like I've been given a crash course through that early on in life just because my own sibling our bodies are very different from one another and they always have been because mm-hmm. I remember like growing up I, I remember this was like I may have been like 10 and I learned from there that like saying skinny was an insult because I remember saying that to my mm-hmm. sister and she was like she's like would you want if I called you fat like that hurts my feelings and I'm like for real 
And she's like, yes. I'm like, oh. Um, but I think, obviously, my 10-year-old brain might have still not completely computed. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think as I got older and really seeing that struggle, like you're talking about, with it's a different, I think it's a different experience of being the black girl where you're like, oh, like, oh, she don't really got nothing back there. Or, you know, mm-hmm. I can't relate to that experience, but, like, I've literally seen it in real time, you know, with, like, the thinner women. Also, my best friend growing up as well. Like, it's the mm-hmm. same thing where you see just kind of, like, the difference in comments. But the fact that there's comments either way is, like, the problem. Mm-hmm. You know? I do. Yeah. Any, but what about in, in men? Do you guys see any? One yeah. in particular I can think of. In That's your profession or in your personal life? Profession. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of personal, but mainly my profession. It's only been one. I don't. I think in terms of like the surgery stuff has not, but in terms of like eating disorders, like kind of starving self, not, not eating at all, like. Well, that's the same thing as starving. But I think that's what I've seen more. Not exactly like the plastic surgery culture, but more so of just like eating disorders in general. Yep. Mm-hmm. I've seen and a I, lot. Yeah. I've seen a lot. I currently have two male clients that I'm treating for binge mm. um, right now. And I think if I can go back to the cultural component, I think there's a... I think regardless of what we're talking about, there's a lot of disordered eating patterns that come from being in the black community in general. When we're talking about food deserts, when we're talking about the nutrition, and I'm not putting this as like a clinical diagnosis, but I'm saying patterns of disordered eating, not having mm-hmm. an eating disorder. There are two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's something that almost all of us have a, as a collective, depending on what neighborhood you grew up in, you know, what part of the world you're in, like where you have to kind of work through this naturally, where I feel like I've been having more conversations about that, like as a, at large, like what are our thoughts around food? Like what kind of food do we eat? Where I feel like a lot of men I know in my life have been talking more about that of like, oh, I, don't, I feel like I don't know too much about like nutrition and mm-hmm. I feel like I've been eating the wrong things or I'm trying to, you know, do these things and like have a healthier approach towards you know your relationship to food Mm -hmm. um and I feel like I've seen more of that versus like a certain image I'm trying to be depicted Mm -hmm. but even with that I've seen so many now videos of people getting like the ab etch yeah like online or like Mm -hmm. you see like the the hairline surgeries I forget what country like in Europe where they like specialize in that and they show like an airplane full of all these men with like the dots on their forehead like they just all got like the hair um the hair implants please send that to me cause the next time a nigga <laughs> send a Faha video for Miami I no. got something for that ass y'all doing it too it was a whole plane full of like all these or men even those um I don't know what to call it. I'm going to say it wrong, so I apologize. But those, um, when the men get the heightened, the, oh, height, yeah, the knee extenders. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Those things, too. But you see um, how they're all related to kind of like that ego. And I think it goes vice versa with each, you know, whether we're talking about men or women, that for men it's about like the fullness of your hair and because it represents like youth, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Or like, you know, the ad talks about your physicality and, you know, all of those Growing things. a beard to... to represent Mad- Mad- what yeah. is it called um, a Sunni 
No, the, the black stuff that they put. Oh, oh yeah. Beijing. Because oh. <laughs> y'all gonna put, especially in Philly, y'all and gonna to put your, um, To your point about how culture can influence and upbringing can influence um, our adult relationship with food, gym, body image, cosmetics, I just love that approach. It's, it's always gonna be best, guys, when your therapist can take this, what Todd is talking about, it's a systemic approach. Systematically, yeah. what was on your side and what was against you that formed these habits and patterns. Which ones do we still need? Which ones do we need to put in the back of the toolkit? Because mm-hmm. my clients already know I'm always going to blame the government. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> capitalism. Let's say capitalism. Mm-hmm. Maybe like period. I'm like, okay, but we need to work on it on a personal level. We can mm-hmm. talk about the systems at large, but then also how, you know. Right. But, and yeah. to, I would just to insert a little, it's not even, it's not even a, a hot take, but I think one of the differences I see in men and women, though we are both called to be pretty or attractive, I think through the years, men, it's consistent. Tall, abs, muscles, hair. Yeah. Right? Maybe some Tall, facial hair. And beard, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where women, it's evolving and it's ever-changing. Yeah. You want, mm. you want big boobs, now big boobs don't matter as much. We want big lips now, but big lips used to be made fun of. We want darker skin, and we know that was such a... Such a such a controversial piece and yeah. still really is you know how I feel about that I feel like uh, dark skinned women are praised on the internet but I don't see that in all real the, life um, at the rate that the, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> basically <laughs> yeah. yeah liars um, the clinical term for that is cap yes <laughs> it is cap um, yeah. so yeah I, just, I think that's changing for women and that makes it hard for young girls in particular and very I don't true. even think it's just young girls um, I think the only thing age and maturity has is perhaps the luxury of self-confidence and self-esteem if you're around the right people. But yeah. I know people of all ages who are still struggling just as much mm-hmm. as that 13-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I, I mean, was, I'm still struggling. <laughs> Real shit. I think <laughs> at my big age. I was thinking about this because I think about media and how it really affects and like the type of media you're consuming, mm-hmm. right? Because I think uh, I've talked about this with my clients who don't even have any disorder eating patterns or any body dysmorphia, but the, we'll talk, we'll sometimes go through a, a social media um, wipeout of like accounts that they're following that make mm. them feel bad about themselves or, Ooh, can, or can you guys name one that has made me feel bad about myself? that maybe you unfollow because even if it didn't make you feel bad about yourself I, I wouldn't say because I have a few like a person or just like a, a like a both. explore account both, yeah both. I'm sorry to cut you off with you no 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 you're fine um, and I wouldn't say yes to be vulnerable. I feel maybe bad about myself, but now I'm at the point in my life where I don't necessarily feel bad, but I know in a harder spot on a harder day, it mm-hmm. may it may join with insecurities that I don't need yeah. it to. No, so I before sure it does have. that, I'm going to unfollow. And that has nothing to do with the person, the brand. It's just how I'm taking care of myself. It's how I feel about myself. I yeah. want to follow things that make me feel good, that keep my eye on the prize. And some people, um, some people's accounts don't do that for me, regardless of how beautiful they are. Mm-hmm. Um, do y'all want me to start or y'all know? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, you want us to say, yeah? Ooh. Yeah, what the fuck they gonna call it out? No, no, no. I'm not saying they gonna do anything. I'm not gonna say anybody personal. Um, I don't know if I've I've, I don't know if I've unfollowed somebody personal that I know, but like celebrities or brands or stuff like that. I've unfollowed Ashley Jordan. She's like a fitness guru, and it's not because of um, the fitness. I love the workout that she does, but I there's there's just been some rumors, and you know, social media is fake, and I get that, but that. She's. It looks different, obviously. And then another person is Jordan Woods, because again, I think it's just you have so many resources to get like that. Whether you're lying about it or not, and some people are transparent. And honestly, it's their business. She can be private 
um, whatever, but you're working with resources, I'm working with other resources, so I, my mind doesn't really need to com- compare or like see what you're working with because yeah. it's just different. Um, so on a low day, I think something like that would get to me, and so I just don't even put it in my peripheral. And yeah, I'm, I'm okay with saying that. Cause no, I love. I can see that. I love Jordan, so I can. I can see that. But yeah. I, I like when when I see her and her man. Like I'm a double mm-hmm. tap. Um, I think yeah. I think I think good things about her. I think she's so beautiful. But there's um, an inner child in me, like an inner teen in me, that doesn't respond well to that on my low days. Yeah. So I'm never going to be apologetic yeah. for taking care of myself. Mine is a little bit off topic because it's not related to like anyone's physical appearance. But depending on like y'all know, as my friends, I have some financial wounds. Um, mm-hmm. And then if I feel like. I'll see some things like I'm going to be transparent One of, and this person was a favorite influencer of mine mm-hmm. um, same but it just started for me they stopped being really relatable um, because I'm just like watching unboxing of unboxing of Birkin bag and mm. um, Chanel this and I love them and I'm happy for them when the, and it also because I used to watch them when they were you know most of the stuff was from Target but I feel like do we know it, them? I don't know if y'all follow them. Her, I feel, because I still like her. Maybe I'll keep this one, because I actually still follow her. I just muted her for a few months, like, and then I got my life together. Off, off screen. Text yeah. us. <laughs> I'll send it. And that's fine, too. Because I still like her, but I just, I, and oh, it's a few other ones, like um, Diara or p- people like that. Where, yeah. Like, it's, it does feel, like, excessive for me. And also, I sometimes think of, like, of course, y'all, I'm just talking about systems at large. It makes me feel bad for the other consumers that watch this. And I'm just like, this, in the place that we're in where people have been losing jobs at the largest mm-hmm. pace that they have, we're mm-hmm. literally diving into a recession watching other people open up broken bags is also feels yeah um socially dense that's so. actually why i unfollow the kardashians and again that's that's, that's what, what i was gonna say, say. Go that ahead, was mine go mine were um chloe and kim mm-hmm. see i ain't never followed them see i i did like them um along the ways i don't watch their show anymore i'm really trying hard not to support but skims is really calling my name kim i'm hearing some really good things sometimes about good stuff so and good american too for jeans in terms of curvy i know you did so and it's much more cheaper no, I probably, I mean, most likely I probably will because I really don't want to support. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I had to unfollow them because, and Chloe used to be my fave. Like, out of all of them, mm-hmm. I really, really liked her. But just every time you look at her, she just looks so much different. And just in terms of body, face, like, everything just looks so different. And then, Kim, I'm just tired of seeing her body. Like, on my worst <laughs> days, I don't want to see her fucking body when I'm just having a really bad day eating donuts on the fucking couch. I don't want to scroll and see her nice ass body on my screen. But even because I don't really consume the Kardashians that much, but I've seen little things because I know, unfortunately, I've been forced um, information about them through Kanye. Mm. And so, <laughs> in interactions that he has with them, like, I'll see little stuff and it just seems, I guess, in, in my world where, like, where I'm not so hyper-focused on that, it just also feels really vapid. The conversations they're having where I'm like, oh my God, this is so to talk about oh my god yeah or like right. i don't know there's like this big interview where like i remember kanye um fired one of kim's um personal trainers which once again all of this is like really concerning especially as a clinician like 
they said maybe at the time she was like 120 pounds and she said she needed to lose another 10 and her trainer did recommended that she didn't do that he was like you don't need mm-hmm. to lose any weight and Kanye was like what did you just say if she says she needs to lose five pounds in her toe you need to make her lose five pounds in her toe mm. like what are you saying nobody asked for your recommendation and I'm like ooh uh, this is really yeah. concerning yeah. and also really concerning that once again people are consuming this content too mm. and there are 12 year olds and 13 year olds and kids yeah. and also adults mm-hmm. that are hearing this you're hearing someone constantly nitpick themselves in front of you that you already see as perfect mm-hmm. yeah. and then we're, yes. we're we're consuming that and to me it just feels really dangerous so yeah. I can't and that's mm-hmm. I think it what Key and I are talking about it can be dangerous to the way we're trying to grow mm-hmm. and be patient with our bodies and I think they're a beautiful family um, again Jordan's beautiful and the, even the financiers that you named like I like that I love that for them but I also don't I think for me I'm I love Wealth and health and getting to those things doesn't mean I need to follow those accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have found accounts that I do love. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to actually commit this week, I think, to just, you know how Instagram has the following tab that it'll only pull your TL yeah. when mm-hmm. you follow. That's what so I I've decided to make some favorites and following. And I think I just want to commit myself to that because that's why I use that app to begin with. And some of the advertisements and selling things and the marketplace of Instagram doesn't entice me. Um, so I'm going to try that this week and see how I feel. But in general, I cultivate my social diet to be where I, where I want to be in six months or next year. Mm, so literally. it's a lot of therapy pages, happy black women, great colorful recipes, movement. And there are some, um, of course, celebrities that are still in there. Maybe not in my Maybe not in my favorites, but mm-hmm. um, like I love my Tabitha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Tracy Ellis. Yeah. Um, things that, you know what it is? There's a light in me that is going to light up more and, and burn more when I see something like that. And it could be, yeah, Tracy Ellis or it could be Tatiana. Mm-hmm. But once my light sparks, that's when I know. Um, and mm-hmm. so my light kind of went out on those glam- other glamorous accounts. If I want to learn about wealth, I'm going to listen to Bud Janista. If I want to yeah. learn about health mm-hmm. and, and things like that, I'm going to head to these accounts that I, I like and yeah. deep dive. And so there's different ways to yeah. do it that I'm not going to harm my growth. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that it's about what inspires you on an individual basis. Because even the people that you name knowing you, it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Because also, <laughs> these are super relatable people as well. Because, yeah. like, mm-hmm. we know Tracy Ellis Ross can probably buy our lives and then <laughs> kick us out of this <laughs> the place we're in right now. And her hair's going to be fat and her hair going to be curly when she do it. But, <laughs> I think, but I think she doesn't lead with her wealth either. And I think that's just, like, yes, another attribute about her where it's like, oh, yeah, and she's fucking stinking rich. But it's, if like... If you're listening, this is the part where you're giving snaps. Because that's hot. <laughs> but I think, like, she, I think on a, I feel like, I don't know, I know she's a Scorpio, but I just feel like it's a lot of, like, earth in her energy where it's, like, grounded and mm-hmm. relatable and girl next door almost, mm-hmm. but it just so happens to girl next door, the house it's next door is a mansion. <laughs> but it's just something very relatable um, about these people. And I think that sometimes that's what you need to where maybe you are getting these other messages, but it's, it's the medicine is given with, with the candy too, where like, oh, you I can like take yes. them both, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think definitely something I do with my clients is like, let's do a, a social media exploration of like, what do we want out of our 
feed and like let's still unfollow some things that don't spark joy mm-hmm. um, and also how can we add on things that are representative of what we want to see more in ourselves you know ooh that's beautiful you know what and this might be a it's kind of a sidebar or another path yeah pet segue um, have you guys seen on TikToks those like what I eat in a day Yes. Oh my God. Or like the. How do you um, feel about it? It makes my stomach hurt so bad. Or even like when they're like at a festival and they're like, what I ate at a festival and they went to like every food truck and got like five things from each food truck and they're just eating it all. I'm like, and they're small. I'm like, you're not even, and not saying at all that this person should be bigger than what they are for what they're eating, but it just. I can't do that shit. No, I cannot be eating all this. But if you did it, they would be like, Girl, you need to, and they're gonna die, or they're gonna say they're gonna make all these comments about your health now because of what you're eating. But she can do that, and it's like, well, she's probably fine. It's like we got the same health issues, honey. (laughs) Right? No, that's what I was gonna say. Like because they're their last bite they're still thin mm-hmm. um, nobody's gonna oh they're less challenged on health but their sodium intake could be crazy they they could be putting their heart at risk um, to be in a really critical position in their 40s um, mm-hmm. it's giving without that backlash to me no it can I've seen so I don't know if y'all saw on Instagram I, I know it was from TikTok there was like this girl who like will eat all of like the fast food things but like it, it genuinely I cause I remember I showed it to my fiance cause I'm like we're literally watching someone binge eat right right now mm-hmm. and this is like scary and super concerning but in the fact that like because she said like how she ate all of these things like multiple times that day already and then also once again because she's small it's like oh this is cute but I'm like Mm-mm. it's processed it's mm-hmm. and also but yeah I don't I guess I don't understand it as a um a form of content but I do understand like what you eat like to just show what you're eating but kind of like this mass consumption of like different foods just, and it's all like advertisement low-key too mm-hmm. right but I don't know if y'all I can't remember this guy's name on Instagram this is um is a white guy who uh, I can't remember his name right now it's like something avocado oh I don't know on TikTok he's I think he probably has TikTok but he's a social media influencer the whole thing about him is when I show y'all y'all gonna be like what the hell but the whole point is this person he started out as like a big mukbang um, person Mm -hmm. and since then he has gotten let's say maybe he gained like 200 pounds and now to the point but he makes all his money from YouTube and these mukbangs and I keep saying I'm changing it every time mukbang mukbang (laughs) they switch out every now and then Um, but he makes all of his money from doing those but now his health is declining Mm. but this is his only way of income so he's still doing it now in his recent videos he's on a respirator oh no but it's literally to the point where like this is like life or death but he keeps doing it and then people are like unsubscribe to him like this you guys are feeding into his issue like he's not okay like he's not healthy like stop watching his videos Mm -hmm. but then also it's like but this is how he makes money and then it's it's complicated but I guess when I think about seeing these other like smaller people I'm concerned because he started out with this he wasn't a big guy Mm -hmm. and from slowly doing these this content for other people to consume now he's a completely different person and his health is in jeopardy and I just think about that when I watch this girl in the car like yes she's cute but 
I just don't want her to feel like she has to perform and do these things mm-hmm. to be on TikTok or to be famous and just like eat. But like once again, all this is all what life is about in general is balance. Yeah. And I think that's the part where I'm like concerned for these people, you know? Absolutely. And um, you brought up a good point, Keita, of what I eat in the days. I'm a foodie though. I am. I do love seeing it. I mean, my TikToks are I'm on food talk like Disney cruise food Mm. Disney food um, drink around the world um traveling talk like cruise ship talk um, our girls on a cruise I know she's on a cruise <laughs> uh, lunch talk I just moved mm-hmm. to LA talk so like what foods are in that region um, but I had to be careful too because it, we know it can have influence like if I if I have to check in with myself on like my own hunger my mm-hmm. own things so if I ate and now this person's tempting me to eat Jamaican or yep. it is tempting to me while watching them uh, I had to be mindful of that um, and Jess and Wendy from the Food Cat Food Heaven podcast had made content around this saying a lot of that is just people displaying their disordered eating mm. um, and in some ways I see that I see that in some ways I disagree because sometimes it really is just for money um, and it's not excessive eating it might just be um like food tasting they mm-hmm. might just, they're not going to eat the whole thing and that's what I'll be thinking of too because they don't eat the whole thing it mm-hmm. is like one or two bites and then a video or are they on to the next meal and I'm right. like did you eat that or did you just do a couple bites for the TikTok and then, or for the video and then you tossed it and right. got something else I think that's the difference too there's the food the food critic type of eating like that mm-hmm. and then there are the people and I think the people that are finishing their meals are, are unfortunately not the ones making the money off of it they are the ones that probably are suffering more from disordered eating mm-hmm. binging things like that um and again, they're getting that positive praise of, oh, yeah. that looks so good, or, you know, order this again, please, I want to see you eat this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. Once again, it just becomes more about money than, like, health. But, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I think even about... This just shows I'm always on YouTube. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Try Guys. <laughs> is this another documentary? <laughs> no. This is just a random group of friends that do, does, like, funny things. But this one guy, he'll, like, try all the things on the menu of... Mm. Let's say he's, like, try, I tried everything at Dunkin' Donuts. And I don't know In why I watch these He'll eat it, but also he'll bring his friends on and they'll try it with him. And But he always takes one bite right, of everything. Okay. He doesn't eat, like, but he'll have all the sandwiches and because they're also, like, they're kind of, like, hipster-type people, so they're, like, sustainability. So the whole crew, they all eat it with him, too. Okay. And, like, they're feeding mm-hmm. the crew with everything that was left over, whatever. But, um... I, he's like said like how sometimes because he has I think he has like gastrointestinal issues like when like I want you guys to know that when I eat these certain ones that's really spicy like I'll not be feeling well so I'm gonna stop doing those things mm-hmm. or um, I don't know like or like lactose that. intolerant like he's like I can't do this type of one because it's a lot of dairy in this menu mm-hmm. um, but like how it's like transparent like hey I'm not just like this food machine that everybody mm-hmm. watches I'm a person and also sometimes like they're the life happens after the camera goes off and mm-hmm. like I can't do this so like <laughs> yeah. it's just so important because yeah. um, I think that's what people are worried about like what is on the camera but I like that because I think that's representation and modeling of like I have to choose my health over your content but yeah. here are some ways and also I think a person that suffers from lactose intolerance gluten and they see that person here. keep the boundary <laughs> yeah. they mm-hmm. see them keep the boundary in front of millions while they're making money they're saying like oh like you know, I, I got to keep my boundary true. If he's not going to do it, then that's not something I'm going to delve into. Yeah. yeah. And it's that part. And I don't, people are not um, presenting that awareness. They're very much just like e e e and not thinking about the population or how it's affecting the people that's watching these videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys remember the first, um, one of the first 
binge um, influencers back in the day. The documentary was huge. I'm just making up that he's an influencer, but it was a guy. Oh, you're talking about um, Super Size Me? Super Size Me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Did I we had to watch it in school. Mm-hmm. I don't think I watched it in school. I We're think, not going to get into my school, but... <laughs> I definitely watched it in school, and I, I don't know. They could have done a better job kind of emphasizing the stuff he had to do afterwards to get healthy again. Yeah. Um, Because they just showed, I think they showed it to me way too young and I was just like, he's so lucky he gets to have McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) When I get older, that's what I want to do. And I didn't understand. Um, So they should have showed it again or they should have emphasized or had discussions around look what happened when he did this much. Um, Yeah. I feel like I definitely was too young to take it seriously. I just felt like, like, wow. I don't know. I feel like this was a prison of his own choosing. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, you mad because you gained weight. Um, mm-hmm. Of course you did. What the hell? <laughs> what else That's how I took it. But like, and then, I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't able to receive it um, in the same way that I would have probably at my big age now. But I, I don't, I feel like maybe for our demographic and our age group, it didn't really hit like it should have, like as a cautionary tale of, mm-hmm you know discernment of like oh balance just Mm. every once in a while or like other options but Mm -hmm. right once again I think if we're just talking about conditions like sometimes people don't have options yes so yeah I think sometimes that can also be really dense because like I could just speak for if we a lot of the listeners here from Philadelphia you know when you go to different sections of the city if I want to find a sweet green mm-hmm. that yeah, may not be yeah. available or there may not be one around. I'm sorry. I forgot where I was. I know. I did too. Fuck. I'm sorry. Um, shit. We were talking about like culturally or like some, sometimes food isn't an option. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just depending on the part of the city you're oh, in. Yeah. Definitely. I think it's it can also feel really elitist to be like stop eating the McDonald's and it's like oh well where else should I go right mm-hmm. I, I, even where I grew up we didn't have a Chipotle until a few years ago mm-hmm. um, and I know that's kind of fast food but you can do that in a healthy way you, I know people say you can do McDonald's and Wendy's in a healthy way sure to some degree yeah you can do it in a less unhealthy way I guess right um, but I didn't even have the staple things like sweet green or chipotle, um, things like that. Honey grow, any of those things. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no kava in no. a trap. <laughs> no. Right. So you, you might that. get the salad bar giant. And yeah. I, so I think that's the thing of like speaking, talking to people in a way that feels empathetic and that everyone isn't just trying to, I don't know, making good choices isn't always um, as easy. You know, I think about as someone who grew up where if you grow up in a part of the city where they had the um, the farmer's markets that would travel because it wasn't a lot of ways to get fresh produce and, and mm-hmm. things like that, depending on your neighborhood. Like, whenever you saw, like, the Amish people come with the wagons and the, you know, yeah. everything, you're like, oh, yeah, we, you know, and people use their vouchers um, to get those types of things. It's like you have to speak to all the different ways that people can get access to certain things and everything isn't as clear cut and dry and as simple depending on where you may live. So mm-hmm. being empathetic to where people are coming from too. Again, very systemic. Got to. Um, okay. So Ty, I know you had brought up a good rounding out question. Yeah, so 
thinking about this, if we start to notice whether in our own personal lives or whether clinically we notice there starts to be a sort of hyper fixation um, towards like our physical appearance mm-hmm. or our eating habits, how do we get ourselves out of those spaces or help ourselves and also clinically? Oh, gosh, it is so hard. But I think it depends on where you're at in your journey, whether you're diagnosed with disordered eating, eating disorders, body dysmorphia. And I I can say like where I'm at personally, my biggest key is to be patient and consistent, consistent, consistent. And I used to hate hearing that when I was at other checkpoints in Mm -hmm. my in my wellness journey. I used to be like, I haven't had bread in a week. I am consistent. And that's not what consistency is. Consistency is also mental consistency to know if I am eating colorful if my food is variety and tasty and I'm having fun making it and I'm enjoying eating it, if I'm listening to my hunger, if I'm listening to um, when I'm full, mm-hmm. if I'm moving my body, if I'm getting out and, and um, enjoying sun, my body is doing what it's supposed to do and it's going to the th- eventually um, either the excess weight will come off and the weight that's here is not hurting me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we'll get into BBI and diet in another episode or be a Miami and yeah. dies in other episodes but that's why I say patience and consistency no if you're doing the right or not the right things if you're doing things that align with wellness the results are going to come but it's it's complete lifestyle yeah um, and for patients I think one of the things I start to explore where, where you're at in your journey is what how are your feelings on body neutrality on the days where you can't yeah. look in the mirror and say you're a bad bitch can you say I'm glad my knees can get me up these steps. Can you say, um, I'm glad that my eyes have good enough vision, that um, my hair can be pulled up or pulled down, mm-hmm. that I can lift my head, my hands over my head. Can you be glad for those things? Can you have more neutrality and gratitude for the way your body works and maybe not the way it looks right now? And that's another form of baby patience. Oh yeah, my gosh. that's what I say now. My mantra whenever... Um, for working out is I get to work out. I, I yeah. have to. That's my mantra. Like when yes. I'm on a treadmill, I'm trying to jog at 3.5 and I'm uh-huh. losing my balance. I'm like, but you get to do this. Like you're not mm-hmm. immobile. You have your legs and your knees and your feet. Like you can get to do this. So that's my new, my mantra now for working out. Um, and has and it, it changed any views for you? It has. It definitely gets me through, um, especially on like the hard days where I just don't feel like it. And I'm just like, oh, I don't want to do anything. Um, it does get me through on those days. And the second part, what was I going to say? I think it was another part in terms of like, oh, the eating is a balance. Because I find for me, if I'm not eating the carbs, I'm like putting myself on a strict diet for like two weeks. Then I don't have a binging period, but then I fall completely off because I wasn't having things that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. So having that balance of like not strictly only eating veggies for like a week, like I can do a little bit and like dabble and still be okay. Do you find that when you are um, limiting groups, that your mind is more occupied with the limiting versus yes. when you? Yeah, a hundred percent. That's why yeah. I don't do it. And I'm not even a sweets person, but if I tell myself, which doesn't even make sense because I don't really eat sweets that much but if I tell myself no sweets I want sweets I'm like girl you haven't had a chocolate bar in a month and now you're telling yourself no sweets Mm -hmm. of course you're gonna want it so yeah for sure our mind's like excuse me what I'm being deprived (laughs) of something starvation mode try me bitch right Right. I'll turn this whole table over I'll knock everything over yes (laughs) but no I I think you bring up a great point and I'll say even for a personal antidote I feel like I've been more so on the opposite side of things where you know, I come from a family where they're like, you're like, I'm full. And they're like, but I made, I spent mm-hmm. all this time cooking. You're, you're done. I'm like, 
okay mm. I'll force myself to eat where like I'm telling myself like listen to your body more when you say you're done you're done mm-hmm. and I think of these all of these things as like treats of like when I drink water I'm like yeah our body's happy mm-hmm. like, yeah. or like okay we're eating veggies but also even and I'm talk about this and this is where I'll put in a clinical point I'm like all when we start to see uh, as all of these things as treats mm-hmm. then that's when we start to look at food differently when we're like oh I had leafy greens that's a treat literally for like my liver right my mm-hmm. <laughs> or like yes. when I really yeah. start to look at that's good the sweets is also like an indulgent treat but then I also look at the water as a treat of like oh my god my you know my spleen will be he-. like mm-hmm. when you start to look at all of them as things that are part of our wellness then it's like you can't be stopped and I think that's also helps me be more balanced because I'm thinking about how all of these things are actually good when I'm just trying to be a more well-rounded and healthy person you know I'm taking that from you that is so good I need to add that to my list like those are treats as well yeah Yeah. reframe reframe the brain you reframe your life now any med um people if I listed the wrong body part that they (laughs) help don't clock me (laughs) but yeah and then professionally would you say that's the same no, definitely. I talked to to mm-hmm. my clients. I've literally said that exact quote um, to one of my clients that um, does struggle with binging because it is that dichotomy for them of black and white, like good versus bad foods. I'm like, let's cut that out. There's no good or bad, but the thing is, it's just about being more diverse mm-hmm. in general and what we're eating and um, being more diverse in in our minds too of like how much we're willing to do because just as easily we can go off and only eat checkers. It's like like you you were talking about before it's like either I'm only eating veggies or I'm only eating that I'm like that's the problem right mm-hmm. there where we get caught up in that is because we feel like we have to hurry up and eat it because we don't know when we'll ever get it again boom mm-hmm. boom and that's that's gonna create an unhealthy relationship with food in itself um, and just like we said them gym bitches know what they talk about when you move <laughs> within a few days and a few weeks you feel mm-hmm. the distance uh, the difference I mean same thing with when you're diversifying your diet and balancing the best you can and you know indulging here and balancing here um, eating colorful whatever and you're going to feel the difference your mental health actually feels different yeah. um, versus when you are eating high carbs high craving like foods they're made to crave I'm sure some, even our fast food restaurants say that made to crave because um, they have components that literally keep our brain addicted but they're not made to energize they're not made to be productive they taste good um, and so when you're doing more of that type of eating you're going to feel it in your energy and your grogginess in your productivity and then those are things that directly impact your mental health I don't feel good when I don't have energy I don't feel good when I don't feel as productive or when I'm more irritable um, those things don't keep us full, mm-hmm. etc. Um, and so, when you you see your diet change into a way that's more aligned with what your body needs and what it likes, you're going to see your mental health really improve with that too. Um, yeah. So that's us kind of gearing towards um, a very hot topic for the summer. And if you guys want to hear more on um, dietitian and um, dietitian takes and health overall wellness more body image things let us know mm-hmm. yes. and if you're not ready yet that's okay because when it comes to our couch you, you can, can always, always sit with us you her